Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. First off, I'm going to start by saying thank you to Andy Major and Aaron Ramella. Um, our, our, the way that our stadium was able to play today, the fans that came out and shoveled, through last night and this morning, um, I mean that's that speaks volumes about our community and how much you know support that we have from our fans, and um, we just love that we can come out and, and play the way we did and, and give them that too. Josh Allen praising the folks who allowed the game to happen on Monday. Ideally, some more would have showed up with shovels because you know when you show up and you're looking at your ticket and here we are, we're at section 28 and row 15 and oh there's my seat wait where's my seat it's a mound of snow but mm. they still found a way to move enough snow that the stadium looked They're normal amazing. when it was full yeah. it looked normal uh and uh it was a happy time for the buffalo bills and their fans to get that win this is a team that was left for dead this was a team that bottomed out this was a team that looked like they had nothing left and it all turned around and remember i talked to rasul douglas about this a couple of weeks ago the speech that Sean McDermott gave to the team after that 20,000-word hit piece, and I don't mean that in a pejorative way toward Tyler Dunn, but it was a hit piece of Sean McDermott. It was a takedown. It was an expose on all the things McDermott's done wrong. That whole 9-11 story that he told at training camp a few years ago, that became a thing. He got dragged, as he should have. It was stupid. I'm surprised it was under wraps for three or four years, but the team rallied around him, and that was the moment. And, you know, you get that spark. Sometimes they try to contrive it, make it up, fake it, fabricate it. Sometimes it's real. And it's so much better when it's real because it lasts longer when it's real. And that was real. And that's propelled them. And, of course, they got good players and they finally figured it out. And Ken Dorsey getting fired and Joe Brady taking over helped too. But they bottomed out, Chris. And now they are dangerous. And we saw it yesterday again. Taking out the Pittsburgh Steelers, thirty-one to seventeen. No, it's 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 like it's almost the opposite story of the Philadelphia Eagles. It's like you know, it's like whoa, whoa, you, you had every right to pack up the season and get oh, it's five and five. You can't count to eleven. You lose to the Denver Broncos. It's just it's over. The Jenga towers wobbly. Let that let that thing fall over. It's done. You're done. You're falling apart. They win a game against the Jets. They lose a heartbreaker to the Eagles and could have said, damn, that, that's it. It's over. And then they go on a run, and now they've won six in a row, right? So, yeah, McDermott, whatever, the Tyler Dunn piece, the leadership in the locker room, right? The players, they said all the right things throughout. They rallied together, and it's incredible. And now they're gritty and tough and patient with the run game. And, you know, Romo, I thought, did a good job explaining this last night in that yeah, they you know, we've said it. They're playing they've been playing playoff football for the last six weeks. They know how to just manage situations and win the game now. They're not worried about anything else other than just, hey, we gotta win the damn game. I don't care what my stats are, what this is, how many sacks, whatever. We're just gonna do what we gotta do to win the game. 
And that's the mode they got into after they fired Ken Dorsey and what they got in down the stretch. And that's why right now they're dangerous because it's it's a complete team effort. It's not, And it doesn't feel like – I mean, we know he's a superstar, Josh Allen, and he showed us again yesterday. But it doesn't feel like it's all on him like it has in years past. And I think that's what's different about this Buffalo team. I just hope they're not too banged up after yesterday because they were dropping like flies there a little in the second half. Six wins in a row right now. They won five in a row to end the regular season. Six and one after the loss to the Broncos that got Ken Dorsey fired. And just one at a time. And they weren't all impressive. You know, they blew out the Cowboys 31 to 10. And then it was a little sputtery after that. You know, the Chargers game. Yeah. The Patriots game. Yeah. But they still got wins. And then they... Nail down the number two seed coming from behind to beat the Dolphins the last night of the season, and now they're propelled into the playoffs. And look, I mean, is it? It's it's not like they've taken down the Steelers at full strength. Mason Rudolph played quarterback, and you know they were up twenty-one nothing, and they let the Steelers hang around. It could have been a blowout, and should have been a blowout, arguably. But now the question becomes, and we'll spend plenty of time this week talking about it. Bills Chiefs getting together again in the playoffs, which will be something because both teams have kind of shed the questions from the regular season right. and they're focused on legacies and Super Bowls. And, you know, we've seen it in the championship round. We've seen it in the divisional round. We're going to see it again in the divisional round this week. But J- Josh Allen, one of the things that we see them do with him in the playoffs when they're not worried about him getting injured or as obsessed about keeping him healthy as they are during the regular season, just let him do his thing. And at 52 yards, I mean, that's touchdown. That's incredible. I mean, incredible. When he breaks free, that's yeah. a speed that I don't recall. He made that cut, and I thought he was going to break his own ankles. <laughs> and then he's just running away from everybody. I everybody. Left Patrick Peterson in the dust, right? But, yeah, the, the design quarterback runs and then the knack that he has for – when you want to play this coverage, oh, I see you playing man-to-man and everybody's back's turned. He's smart enough to process that in real time and go, wait, if there's a lane, I'm taking off because I'm going to go get a 10 yards automatically, let alone maybe more if you don't want to tackle me or would do whatever. I mean, again, you know, it wasn't easy, like you said. Their defense made plays. It got them jump-started early on. The Steelers' turnovers, we know all that, but – I mean, some of the, again, the elements out there, Josh Allen, some of the throws, the runs, the breaking of tackles and not letting a negative play be a negative play. Uh, they're just, they're, they're eye popping. They are. And it all starts with Josh Allen. They, they base the way they play around him. It's just, they got some other things around him now that they don't have to go, Hey, just dance around and make it happen all the time. They, Oh wait, James Cook. We got that going. We got the tight end combination working. We found how to spread the ball around to everybody on the football team, let alone we know they can play defense too. So they're they're playing more of a complete game and then just a, hey, every now and then can we get a splash play from Josh Allen in a tough spot to maybe get us over that spot. And I, that, that to me is conducive to playoff football, playoff run, maybe going to a Super Bowl. I mean, it's incredible. The guy's incredible. He's one of the greatest talents I've ever seen in football. He's on his way to the Hall of Fame. I mean, what is it now? 25 touchdowns and four interceptions in his playoff career? But it's, it's his fault they haven't gotten to the Super Bowl, guys. It's, it's his fault. He's only carried the team for the last five years, but it's his fault. It's, he's insane. He's, he's truly incredible. Um, it, it really is something to behold, and we're fortunate to get to see another Josh Allen-Patrick Mahomes duel with the season on the line. In and Buffalo. again, forget about all the ups yeah. and downs of the regular season. It's a 17-game season. Rarely. And we don't, do you really want a team to be dominant start to finish? We, we like to have some uncertainty. We like to have some things to overreact to or react to or just talk about. It makes it more dramatic. It makes it more fun. It makes it more compelling when a team that's been through some stuff figures it out and gets to – you know, within a couple of games of the Super Bowl. And we've got two teams in the Bills and the Chiefs that went through some stuff and are in the process of figuring it out. And one of them's going to advance and one of them's going home. And yeah, for only, we talked about this yesterday. Six prior times, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes have played each other. Only one was in Buffalo, the COVID year of 2020. No fans in the stands. The Chiefs won a game that was postponed from Monday to Tuesday. 
and now we get to see Highmark Stadium, winner take all, goes to the AFC Championship against either the Ravens or the Houston Texans. Um, I, I, as you said, the injuries at a certain point they reach a critical mass. Yeah, um, you know, Gabe Davis was was out for this game. Terrell Bernard was carted off. Teron Johnson didn't return after being evaluated for a concussion. There, there were issues with uh, the kicker possibly pulling a hamstring. Um, at, at some point, it's too much to overcome, but you still have Josh Allen. So if anybody's going to overcome it, it's the Bills. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully some of those injuries are not, you know, they're just they were out for yesterday, and then they can get healthy by Sunday evening and, and be somewhat close to full strength. You know, we'd like to see that. And, 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 and yeah, it's going to be awesome. It's, it's, it's the bills at home. We haven't seen Mahomes how to deal with the bills mafia or any type of fans on the road in the playoffs. That's going to be interesting. And yeah, it's a matchup and where it's different than years past too, where both teams were just like, let's get in the shotgun and ride our quarterbacks big time, right arms. Uh, this is a year where both teams are playing a little bit more complete team football. It's not just about that. So that'll be that'll be interesting uh, on top of that as well. Uh, but but Buffalo really impressive. It really was, and the turnaround they made, McDermott getting tougher, running the ball, the James Cook angle. You know that's all. You know, kind of again the vice versa conversation of what we talked about in Philadelphia. They found some X's and O's and some motivation and a mentality to go, wait, we got to flip this on its head the positive way here and figure out how we get back, you know, and, and right the ship. And they did that. It is impressive. And, and, of course, it's full all around, too. The defense yesterday, we talk about Josh Allen and we get that. But, you know, damn, the George Pickens fumble early on, you know, and then, of course, the Kyrie Elam interception in the end zone where you felt like, oh, Hey, Pittsburgh, they're going to get back in the game right here, and this, is, this, is, this might get tight. Uh, to, to, to get that interception from their defense, they make two plays that, that certainly help Josh Allen and the offense kind of weather the, the storm and didn't let the Steelers make it too close. Bills get it done. We're going to take a break and talk about the Steelers on the other side, including the future of head coach Mike Tomlin, who was sort of asked a question about it, but uh, – the person didn't get a chance to finish asking the question. We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live. Anyone? Mike, you have a year left on your contract. That was after last night's game. Burt Lawton, the Steelers PR director, made the last call. And I watched the press conference live. I thought they just cut the feed halfway through the question because I was typing and I was listening. It's like, why are they playing music? Why is it over? And then I realized Mike Tomlin had walked off before the question could even be finished. You have one year left on your contract. That's the preface. Here comes the question. He turns and he leaves. I don't know what it means. Nobody knows what it means. But I know this. I know a certain someone on ESPN said last night the same thing I said Saturday at halftime of the Browns-Texans game and gave me full credit. Oh, wait, he didn't give me full credit. didn't give me any credit for it, but that's fine. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not worried about that unless I am. Um, Mike Tomlin is going to, as he does every year, he's going to reassess his situation. And every other year, he's never been entering the final year of his contract. That's what makes this unique. He's going to talk to his family. And he's going to make a decision. Doesn't mean he's leaving. Doesn't mean 100% he's staying. The different factor this time is he's one year away from the expiration of his contract. And the one thing he could do, and I'm not saying will, I'm saying it's one of his options. One of the options would be to say, I got one more year. I'm going to honor my contract. And then I'm going to become a free agent with no salary cap, with no franchise tag, and with plenty of teams out there who will know all year long, I'm going to become a free agent. Because one thing we know about the Steelers, once the season starts, they've got this stupid rule. All due respect, but it's stupid to make these rules that no one else has and no one else follows. We don't renegotiate any contracts once the season starts. 
People are capable of doing multiple things. But they had this rule forever. It's been like that forever. We're not going to change it. We get to the start of the season, and Mike Tomlin doesn't have a new contract. The message to everyone is he's in play for next year. He could choose that path. That would make for a crazy early 2025 as everyone's scrambling to try to get Mike Tomlin. No, it would be be incredible. You're right. Crazy. Totally. Right? I I would think he doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to do that, you know, and, and deal with that distraction and those kind of questions always throughout the season, let alone, I think, the message to your locker room is not always the best when you're put in that situation, right? Hey, hey, oh, you messed up the play. Oh, well, no big deal. I'm not going to be here next year or whatever. So that that's where coaches don't like being on that last year of their contract. That That's where it is odd. You know, I don't know how to take that either there with Mike Tomlin. I look at Mike Tomlin, I think he's more of a – he's a competitor. He's pissed off, sorry, London, that they didn't win that football game. He's probably a little bothered that there isn't an extension in place already. But like Sirianni, he's too hurt emotionally about the moment, his own team, his own organization. that He doesn't even want to talk about that. That's kind of how I would take it, right? I think right. he's just disgusted. But I'm sure there's some other feelings. You can at least – right. At least let the reporter finish the question yeah, yeah, I before you walk off. I hear you. Or say, I have no comment about that. Right. Or, or say, I'm not going anywhere. I'm coaching this team as long as they'll have me. I'll stay here as long as they'll have me. I mean, by walking off just after the first few words of the question, the message is sent that if next year he is in his final year of his contract by his own choosing, because as we reported on December 23rd, the day of the Bengals-Steelers game on NBC – the Steelers aren't firing him, obviously. They had lost three in a row at the point, and, and who knew what was going on. But they're not going to fire him. They're going to try to extend the contract. So if we get to next year and they haven't extended the contract, the message he's sending to the people who cover the team is, anytime you bring that up, I'm just going to walk away. I did it the first time. I'll do it the second time. I'll do it the third time. The press conference ends when someone musters the nerve to ask me about my contract. And it almost didn't happen. This is one of the things that I love about the press conference mentality. Everybody in the room knows about the awkward, tough question that someone needs to ask. But I'm not going to ask it. You ask it. Well, I'm not going to ask it. I'm, it's like life cereal. Let's get Mikey. He'll ask it. There's no Mikey in the room sometimes. And eventually it was Brooke Pryor of ESPN who decided to dare yeah. to tiptoe down the hallway to the great and powerful Wizard of Oz. And you saw what happened. Out he goes. That's one of the ways that the Patriots beat reporters dealt with Bill Belichick. They knew there were certain questions that he wasn't necessarily going to walk away, but he was just going to shut down after that and give you nothing. He'll still answer your questions, but it'll just be grunts and burps and not that he ever burped that I know of, but you know what I mean, just the monosyllabic Uh, nothing. uh, So, So I think Tomlin is letting everyone know now, if you ever ask about my contract, I'm just leaving. So don't ask. Yeah, I think so. You know, frustrated in the moment, certainly. He probably looks at it a little bit like, you know, what you're saying, too. Man, we had some self-inflicted wounds there where we could have made things interesting and and tough on Buffalo here. We kind of let them, you know, get out of here scot-free. And and that's sure all that bothered him, certainly. Um, But, yeah, uh, we've never seen him act like that. I've never seen him do that, where he's usually... And he answered questions normally before I mean. that. He, he usually I mean, looks people normal. in the I mean, eye and goes through it. Yeah, yeah I know. And so that, it's rare to see him act that way, but obviously it hit a boiling point, and uh, he doesn't want to dive into that right now. So we'll see. I would think he answer some of those questions today or tomorrow whenever he addresses the Pittsburgh media, and we'll hear more about it. I wouldn't be shocked to hear him apologize, too. Yeah. I don't know. I think if you ask about the contract, he's going to exit stage left. Maybe. I I really do. The message is don't do it. I think the next time around, it's going to be the same thing. Everyone's going to think, boy, the one question we need to ask is, Mike, why did you walk off the podium when the question about your contract came up last night? And they're going to be looking around. I'm not going to ask it. You ask it. I'm not going to ask it. Let's get Mikey. He'll ask it. All right. Um, Cam Hayward. Yeah. Asked, was asked a question about Mike Tomlin. Here's what he said about Tomlin. Every player wouldn't be anything without Mike T. This group would not function to even get to a playoff berth without Mike T. He keeps us accountable from top to bottom, and I don't want to play for any other coach. That's Cam Hayward. And I don't know if Cam Hayward is going to continue for another year, but it'll surely be a factor if Mike Tomlin's there 
or not there. But it's not a Steelers decision. It's Tomlin. Is he ready to walk away? Is he going to sign a new contract? Is he going to become a free agent, finish out his contract, and then go wherever he wants? Or would he leave now? See, he could leave now and just sit back and wait to see what a new team might offer the Steelers. The problem with that approach, though, is you go to a new team with less assets to be the best team you can be. Hey, I'm going to coach the commanders. I'm going to coach whoever. Oh, we gave up our first-round pick this year and next year so they could get me. Well, that stinks. I don't have a first-round pick the next two years. If you're going to jump to a new team, the better approach is just finish your contract and become a free agent. Yeah, no, I definitely. Or get, or, get, or get Robert Kraft to let you walk away like he did with Bill Belichick. Right. What, what should, should, hey, maybe Mike Tomlin, he, he might be able to do that. He might have a good enough relationship with Art Rooney uh, and, and the Rooney family. But, but, but we'll see where this goes. Uh, I, in my heart of hearts, still think Mike Tomlin's going to be with the Steelers, and he's motivated by wanting to bring another championship wanting to make another playoff run deep into the playoffs with the Steelers football team. And, you know, most people go, oh, well, I mean, it's just he gets to the playoffs and it's one and done. But, like, okay, other than the offensive coordinator issue, which, okay, we can blame on him, definitely. I got you there. But everything else is I want to go, wait, it's working against Mike Tomlin and it's working good because of how good he is as a football coach. That, that so so yeah we can blame offensive coordinator on him but everything else and a team that I I, I want to sit here and go wait guys I, this team is not an all star team I don't why why does everybody expect them to be so good what is it it's an offensive line that finally came together kind of in the half halfway point of the year maybe week ten and yeah there's some guys there and some young guys there you go hey the future they look they could be pretty good they uh, the the receivers, we know, okay, there's potential there, and that falls into the offensive thing. But, like, defensively, you've heard me say during the year, like, what, 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 what on their defenses makes us think that they're supposed to be a top-notch defense? You know, the good defenses in football, we can list a laundry list of good players they have. With the Steelers, it's like T.J. Watt, Hayward, Minka Fitzpatrick. That's not like, oh, great defensive football team there. You know, so he, Terrell Austin, the D coordinator, I mean, they've made chicken salad out of chicken you-know-what there. That's where I just want to go to the Pittsburgh fans sometimes. Like, where did you – how good did you think you guys were? You got below-average quarterback play. You know, you drafted a guy that I'm not sure is the franchise guy. That's not Mike Tomlin's fault. I know he has a little say in that, but he's not the GM. And then the rest of the players on the field – are not I, I don't look at them, and I don't think you do either, and we go, well, they underperform. They're really an AFC championship team. We looked at it and went, I don't really think they're a playoff team, but with Mike Tomlin magic, they might be. And that, to me, means you keep the damn head coach, and he's kind of special. It's exactly what the Eagles were missing. They're right. Accountability. Right. The right. ability to take whatever the team is and get more out of it. Yes. And Bill Belichick does it with X's and O's and game planning and and detail and 24 hours yeah, a day. Yeah, outside the box thinking and, and whatever. Yeah. Right, right. Mike Tomlin does it, not exclusively, but his superpower is to get through Leading to men. each guy. Right, right. To, 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 just, to just suck it up. And overperform. Right, get the whatever their body would otherwise allow them to do. Tomlin gets them to do that and a little bit more, and to come together as a team, to function as a team. He is a leader. He is a natural born leader, and he is the quintessential football coach. Forget about the X's and O's. He is a guy who can get his men ready to play, and they love him for it. They're loyal to him. They're not going to want him to leave. It's going to be a huge void if he would decide to walk away. And nobody knows what he's going to do. That's the key. He does it every year. He reassesses his situation. This year is different because the Steelers have allowed him to approach what would be the final year of his contract. This is a factor he's never had to consider before. I have options here. One of the options is... I'll coach out my contract, and I'll become a free agent. But along the way, he's never going to show. And, and see, this is why 
what we reported back in December, the Steelers aren't going to move on from him, and they had no reason to believe he was thinking about leaving because he's all in. He's not going to entertain any of those thoughts during football season. This is an after-football season topic that he's going to pivot to, and then we'll see what he decides yeah, to do. Yeah. Uh, but the, the, just real quickly on the game, look, the Steelers were overmatched from the get-go. George Pickens was frustrated, this time more or as much with the officials as anything else. He got 11 targets, five catches, 50 yards. He lost a fumble. It was kind of a Des Cottett play. That was my first thought. It looked a lot like the Des Bryant football move and lunge and out comes the ball. Um, but uh, it just, you know, I, I didn't expect the Steelers to win. I was amazed they made it a game once they were down 21 nothing. But they reached the limit of what their talent was ever going to let them do this year. Yeah, that's right. They were maximized, right? And they were a team that I think we knew they couldn't make mistakes and win the football game. They had a whole Buffalo made a mistake or two to win the football game. You know that that was the the difference there, right? And and yeah, I mean the 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 Pickens the Pickens fumble early on in the football game, right after the Bills have just gone down and scored a touchdown. You know, put them in a spot where, damn, we're down 14 to nothing, and we kind of we wanted to make this game an ugly ball control, keep Josh Allen off the field type of football game, and that luxury or, or ability was taken away from them after that. So they did. Like you said, they hung in there, right, and started to move the ball at the end of the first half, right? They were a little too conservative early on. I mean, it was like, I, what was it, two minutes and 40 seconds left in the half, and they finally threw a ball past five yards. Uh, I think it was when they hit the Friermuth big crosser, and he fumbled, and it looked like the Bills covered it in bounds, and they said it was out of bounds. I don't, that was a weird one. Yeah. But either way, that was the first moment we saw Pittsburgh's offense come alive. And then you start, here it is, here it is. And then, and then you thought, wait, Pittsburgh, man, they're going to hang around. It looks like they maybe they have figured something out a little bit about how Buffalo played them. They came out in the third quarter. They made a few plays. They started to go, ooh, they're pushing Buffalo's defense line back a little bit here. Is this going to start to sway in Pittsburgh's favor? Uh, but the Bills had an answer every time, and I don't know. Mike, this was a weird one. To me, it didn't look like it grazed his helmet or anything, uh, but either way, they stayed with the, the call on the field, but yeah, Bills weathered that storm, and, and Pittsburgh just didn't have enough fire to, to do anything, firepower to do anything after that. And, you know, the Steelers would have had a much better chance if they had played the game a day earlier in the elements. The only problem is we wouldn't have been able to show you any highlights because you <laughs> yeah, right. not see the highlights <laughs> through the snow. Seriously. Would we have even known who had won the game? How would we know? How would they know to put the scoreboard from 0-0 to 6-0, no one would have seen anything. So crazy couple of days, six playoff games done. When we return, we're going to pivot to one of the teams that didn't make it to the playoffs and one of the coaches who didn't make it to the playoffs. And if there was any doubt about Bill Belichick's intent moving forward, there should be none now. He has interviewed for a head coaching job. We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed.
Bill Belichick has interviewed for the head coaching vacancy with the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons' interest in Belichick is understandable. They once witnessed what kind of a coach he is, down 28-3 in the third quarter of a Super Bowl to the chagrin of the Falcons. Belichick led the Patriots back to win the game. The question is, how interested will Belichick be? This is something I wrote about. We've talked about it. Rich McKay is the question here, the wild card here. Will Rich McKay be completely removed from football operations and also removed from the ear and elbow of owner Arthur Blank? If you're Bill Belichick, you don't want to have to deal with Rich McKay. All due respect to Rich, it becomes a potential problem and an impediment. You want a straight line to the owner with no buffers, no middlemen, none, none of the stuff that could make it harder for Belichick to do what he's trying to do. That's going to be the biggest issue from Belichick's standpoint and also – also, to the extent that other options are available with playoff-ready rosters, you got to ask yourself, do I go to a team that still needs work from a roster standpoint, specifically at the quarterback position, or do I go to a team where I just walk in and I say, let's go, kitchen's ready, let's cook the meal? Yeah, I, I, I hear you there. I, now, you know, I'd be interested. I think we're all interested to go, yeah, when Belichick goes to a new place, What's the power structure going to be? What's what's going to be his influence about, like you kind of said, the, the chain of command and how that works? You know, maybe he'll like a guy like Rich McKay and go, wait, this is a guy who's been around in football and I can sound off to him and now I don't have to deal with the owner and he'll deal with the owner. So you never know. There was some of those middlemen like that throughout the years in New England a little there. So maybe he'll like it. I, I don't know. But – Yes, interesting. I don't think he will. Interesting. I, I I hear you. I mean, everything that tells that we know he likes to be king of the castle and you know no buffers and he's he he runs the show that way. Uh, so yeah, that that goes into everything there. That's where I question you know GMs that are in place when when he goes to a new team. All of it. I don't know how any of it's going to work. He's been. I mean, New England, again, we can laugh about, yeah, they've messed up some high draft picks and all that, but they, their scouting department and everything, they know how to build a team and find guys that other teams don't find and, you know, value guys that the other teams don't value. So all of that will be interesting. And to your point, and what I've been saying, I mean, I, I think I told you Atlanta was in play really pretty early on when we realized Belichick and the marriage was going to be done, but – you know, to the thing we've talked about, yeah, he's gone. He's going to go to a team that is ready, that is ready to go. And Atlanta's interesting because there's a lot of pieces that are ready to go. The O line is really good. Defense is one of the top in football. You know, they got Pitts and Drake London and Bijan Robinson, but there is the issue at quarterback certainly, and that is a big issue. They definitely need somebody new. There's no way that Bill Belichick is going to watch film in the Atlanta Falcons and go, I think I can make it work with Desmond Ritter. I can trust him. There's no way. So that is the big question surrounding that t conversation there in Atlanta. I could see him liking the franchise and everything that's set in place there for him right now because I think they can play Bill Belichick type of football, but the quarterback thing certainly going to have to be addressed, and that's not easy. We know that. Won a Super Bowl in that stadium, too. Yeah. His most recent one, Super Bowl 53, over the L.A. Rams. You know, I thought of something, and so much of this is going to depend, Chris, on what his priorities are. Is it? Is it? And we assume the priority is win a Super Bowl without Tom Brady. We assume that. And also catch Don Shula and surpass Don Shula and shatter Don Shula's record, not just beat it by one or two and then walk away but make Don Shula a distant second, okay? But ego gets involved. Greed gets involved. He gets himself in a position. We were talking about this earlier. You get Jeffrey Lurie, the owner of the Eagles, Jerry Jones, the owner of the Cowboys, in a tug of war to try to get Bill Belichick. If that would transpire, you think Arthur Blank's just going to sit back if he's decided, I want this guy? It's almost like the Deshaun Watson situation where – Maybe somebody is going to do something really stupid here to get Belichick. The equivalent of the Deshaun Watson $45 million per year, $46 million fully guaranteed contract. I got to have this guy. I'll give him full control. I really don't think I should, but I will. 
He wants me to fire Rich McKay. I'll fire Rich McKay. I'll fill out the pink slip myself. I'll drive him. I'll drive him, uh, you know, to the airport myself. Will somebody go so crazy in their effort to get him that they'll give Belichick everything and he just runs the show? And is that and the money and the power that that's really the question here. Do the money and the power at some point supersede the ability to go somewhere and feel confident I'm going to get another Super Bowl win and I'm going to shatter Don Shula's record? What's that balance? Only Belichick knows, but what's that balance? But, boy, you get Arthur Blank in a situation where he decides to give him full control and more money than we'll ever know because, you know, it gets paid off the books and from this company and from that company he's going to have some Home Depot stock or something like that. But that's going to be the challenge for Belichick. Do I take the biggest pot of money and full power from a lesser team, or do I take a little bit less from a team that's going to let me fulfill my competitive football objectives? I I would hope it's the latter of the examples you said. I I would hope. He certainly seems like he still has the energy to coach. Like we talked about, he still can manage football games as good as anybody in the business and come up with game plans to go, wait, they're hanging around here? How, How is that? They're, they're still really good. I mean, a, a Pittsburgh team that we just talked about, you know, hey, they were tough and figured it out and got in the playoffs. I mean, then New England went in there with a lesser team and, you know, dominated them just a few weeks ago in Pittsburgh. So the fight is still there from Bill Belichick. And I would think more of the stuff that you talked about at the end would be more important. I would. The fact that where's the team set up, you know, how can I end my career in a positive note? He's got more money than he'll ever be able to know what to do with. He's been killing it for 20-plus years, and he can make as much money as he wants off the field as he wants, right? Now, the power and control thing, you know, that that's certainly something there. And I think he's going to have to be comfortable with, yeah, who's ever calling the shots at the GM, the protocols that are in place for scouting, free agency, wait, I have injuries on my team, who are we bringing in to work out right away because I need a laundry list of guys that make sense if we got some injuries that can fill in the gaps. That's where New England was also brilliant all those years. He's going to make sure he's comfortable there no matter where he is uh, before he takes a job. So, yeah, I I think you bring up some good points, and I I choose door number two to be the one that I think Bill Belichick will want to walk through there. It all comes back to confidence, delusion, and hubris. And I'm not saying it would be delusional for him to think he could go somewhere else and provide the finishing touches to a roster that is less than where it needs to be, a non-playoff roster, a team that needs a quarterback. But he's going to think, I can do this. Maybe, maybe. I want to show I can do this. I want to show the crafts I can do this. It's, it's a complicated psychological exercise. And even when money isn't a factor, money's still a factor. I think it's wired into the human DNA. We always want more. And if we're going to go bust our asset, we're going to devote our lives to it. And you know what it is for a head coach. You are devoting your life to your craft. If someone's going to pay you twice what someone else will, who knows what Arthur Blank's going to do if he decides, I have to keep this guy away from Jerry Jones and Jeffrey Lurie. And then you get, see, where it becomes a little awkward, and Jimmy Haslam found this out, if you blow out the curve too much, you make it harder for your partners to, you know, run their businesses. There's kind of a wink and a nod here, especially with coaches. I wish I had full access to everything the coaches have been paid for the last 50 years to go along with the access to the player salary trends because the coach's salary has not gone up at the same rate. And I do believe that there's collusion when it comes to head coaching pay. So I don't know how far Arthur Blank or anyone else would go by way of money, but there's a certain amount of money, Chris, that you just can't say no to. No, no, I, 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 I understand that. You know, I mean, he's, he's not going to do anything for free. I get that. Uh, but I, I, would be, I would be shocked if that was the overriding like number one factor, right? I mean, if, if it's hey, power this- and money, power and money versus quality of team, right? That's it. That's yeah. the balance. Yeah, exactly right. I think he would take quality of quality of team as long as the money 
and the power are logically in a place where he still thinks it makes sense. But, yeah, there's got to be a balance there, and that's what's going to be interesting about, you know, yeah, the Eagles, if that comes about, Howie Roseman, the great GM, the Jones family in Dallas, and, of course, you know, and the Falcons and, 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 and Terry Fontenot, who's built a lot of good things there in Atlanta, and the team is kind of ready except that quarterback position. So, yeah, Belichick's going to have some research to do with that department. He's the guy who picked Ritter. I mean, I know. know. I and, and if he says, I want Terry Fontenot out, if that's one of the conditions of getting the job, Arthur Blank's going to drive him to the airport too. Him and Rich McKay in the same car. Whatever it takes to get Bill Belichick. I, I just feel like the, the sense of competition could cause Arthur Blank to just say whatever it takes to get this guy. All right, we got to take a break. When we return, the commanders already had a GM. They hired a GM. I think they currently have two GMs. One of them's probably going to go, and it's not going to be the guy that just hired. We'll make sense of that next year on PFT Live. The Washington Commanders have hired a general manager, Adam Peters, the assistant general manager of the San Francisco 49ers, becomes the new GM in Washington. Of course, they already have a GM in Martin Mayhew. I think they set this up so that Mayhew will potentially stay in a lesser role. If you fire Mayhew and then hire a GM, kind of awkward to bring Mayhew back in a lesser role. And this whole thing, make no mistake about it. Remember, Chris, it was eight days ago. We're doing the show after the regular season ends. The news is leaked that Bob Myers, the former Golden State Warriors GM, is going to be involved, and they announced that Rick, uh, Rick Spielman is going to be involved. There's a lot of stuff that was prearranged here, and I've heard from multiple different people this Adam Peters thing was done weeks ago. And, and we know there's a formal search process they have to do. They have to comply with it, and they need to. But owners are going to do what they want to do at the end of the day. They're going to do what they want to do. They knew this was going to be Adam Peters. Based upon people I've talked to, the belief is this was known for weeks that Peters was getting this job. Well, Peters has been close, we know that, the last two years to getting GM jobs, right? He seemed like he was the next guy in line to leave that great San Francisco 49er front office and, and get the job. It's good to see him finally, you know, uh, get a team to, to, to make him the head man. And yeah, I mean, it's, it, it was a little weird how they went about it, but I certainly am in favor of, of Adam Peters. Of course, you know, knowing Shanahan and everything in San Francisco, he's a valued commodity. He's a big time evaluator. I can understand why Washington wants him. Wait, yeah, wait. Is he the guy that talked him into Trey Lance? Well, Is he the he, guy that talked him off of Mac Jones and he, into Trey Lance? He might, I mean, listen, if, if, you, if you made me guess, I'd go, yeah, I think that Adam Peters was certainly behind the push in that building behind Trey Lance, right? But And that didn't work out well. And certainly, at the end of the day, it still goes back all on Kyle Shanahan. He has total control and makes that pick, and he's the offensive coordinator, and he's the guy that's got to love the quarterback. He did it. But, yeah, I, I agree with that. But either way, you know, what they built there is the biggest team of badasses in football, pretty much, other than maybe the Baltimore Ravens, who, who's got something to say about that. So I understand Washington uh, uh, liking a guy like Adam Peters and coming from an organization that, you know, again, if they win this week, it's forward to the five the last NFC championship games. Certainly going to look good to any organization that's been, you know, fumbling and bumbling around like Washington the last few years. And you bring up the Martin Mayhew thing too. Yeah. I wondered uh, when he got hired yesterday and I heard Adam Peters, I was like, wait, did they fire Martin Mayhew yet? I hadn't even heard that. And I had to look it up. And then I went, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe they're going to keep him. They were working together in San Francisco. Maybe Adam Peters is like, wait, this guy knows how, you know, I make the donuts behind the scenes. Maybe I keep him here. I, I don't know. But either way, I like the hire by the Washington Commanders. A couple of quick points. They finessed this by saying they were looking for a director of football operations. Yeah, that's right. Title. Right. Then all of a sudden it becomes right. general manager. They knew what they were doing. They wanted to do it in a way where they could keep Mayhew and then keep Mayhew after that. Also, the belief is from the same people who thought this deal was done for weeks in advance that Ben Johnson's going to be the next head coach of the commanders. And then finally, on this Belichick stuff, and I had said on Football Night in America that owner Josh Harris is enamored with the idea of Bill Belichick being the coach and only the coach of the Washington commanders. They went into overdrive last week to tell any reporter who would listen and pass it along they're not interested in Belichick. And I got the same call, but at the end, at the end of the call, 
there was a caveat along the lines of, of course, things could change. Okay. (laughs) I think that at the end of the day, there is a very strong desire with this new commander's ownership to create the perception that they get their first choice, that they don't want to swing and miss. And we see that all the time. Look at what's happening with the Carolina Panthers. You want to create the impression of strength. We get who we want. We get the coach we want. We get the GM we want. We get our first choice. So I'm not saying Belichick's in play or will be in play. I just, I have a lot of stuff gets done beforehand. And I think a lot of stuff was done here beforehand. And we're going to find out before too long. Ben Johnson's the next coach of the commanders, unless something changes. Quick break. Number one pick potentially in the 2024 draft has put himself in play. We'll discuss that next year on PFT. Caleb Williams made the announcement yesterday that he is heading to the National Football League. The question now becomes, will the Bears make him the first overall pick in the draft? Or will they trade that pick? Will he be the first pick? The odds makers have him as the runaway favorite. Drake May is the only one who could overcome that. Maybe somebody else. You know what happens, though, Chris, after the season ends. Coaches get involved in the scouting. When the coaches get involved, things change. That's the single greatest factor. It's not what you do at the combine. It's not what you do at your pro day. Once the coaches are done coaching their teams and get involved in the evaluation of the incoming prospects, that's when guys move up and move down the board. Yeah, exactly right. You know, there's a tentative field out there, a feel right out there right now, and, and you know, they're, they're, they're not far off. But, yeah, the most important decision makers and evaluators, for the most part, yeah, are going to be your offensive coordinators, your head coaches who are offensive coordinators and QB gurus. Those are the ones that are going to look at it and find little nuances and go, wait, this guy everybody has his third quarterback – is better than the guy that everybody has the first quarterback. What are they looking at, right? And, and, you know, and it's, and it's you know, I, I, again, a lot of the times it's a bunch of unqualified people making qualified statements about this. But this is going to be an interesting, you know, draft because of the two teams that are at the top of the draft, the amount of teams that need quarterbacks in uh, in the NFL right now, right? The Justin Fields element of this and them being the number one pick are they going to trade that away are they going to keep justin fields and then there's a lot of good quarterbacks i think that are that are legit big time talents i mean when you talk about caleb williams and drake may and Jaden daniels you know those are three guys that i think are definitely top 10 picks and then you add on michael Penix jr and bo Nix from oregon who i think are Definitely first-round picks. Again, just by TV scouting, I think they're in that there. Um, Yeah, I think that's going to add to a lot of intrigue to this NFL draft and maybe a lot of moving parts to go along with it. I hope and I believe that Caleb Williams will be an active participant in kind of engineering where he's going to go. If somebody's thinking about trading up with the Bears, you better check with Caleb Williams to be sure he's all in with playing for you if you do that. If the Bears are thinking about taking him, Probably a good idea to make sure Caleb Williams is all in. He's got NIL money. He could sit out the year. Somebody's going to do that eventually, or at least threaten to do that eventually. And I applaud it if it happens. I want to see these kids take control of their futures. Because we've seen where the guy starts his career can be such a factor in whether or not he even has a career in the National Football League with the coaching and the teammates and the front office and ownership. And one last point, Chris. You know, the Bears are interviewing offensive coordinator candidates. Greg Roman's the most recent. How do you properly evaluate a potential offensive coordinator without telling him who the quarterback's no, going to be? No, right, right. And, well, yeah. You know, isn't that weird? Like, are we going to find out the Bears' plans because one of the offensive coordinator candidates who don't get the job blabs to someone because they told, they told me during the meeting that they're going to draft Caleb Williams, so they wanted to know what I would do with Caleb Williams. It's just it's a weird wrinkle to the process because you, if you want the best offensive coordinator, kind of helps to let him know who his quarterback's going to be. No, I think the, the, the offensive coordinator thing is going to be a telltale sign of maybe where they're leaning for the quarterback situation. I think that's what it is. If you're, if you're interviewing Greg Roman, I'm going, well, then they're keeping Justin Fields. 
right? We all complained about Greg Roman in the pass office. You're not going to get Caleb Williams, who people are going, that's Patrick Mahomes, and go, hey, you'd be good in the Lamar Jackson offense. So that, to me, was like, wait, there's thoughts still there, and they're not sure what they're going to do, and maybe Justin Fields still is the future in Chicago. Well, we'll see how it all plays out. It'll be one of the big storylines for the offseason. We showed you the odds earlier for the first overall pick. Those came courtesy of DraftKings Sportsbook. Don't forget on DraftKings Sportsbook, this NFL playoffs, new customers can bet $5 in pocket, $200 in bonus bets instantly, plus all customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every single day. Download the app and use the promo code PFTLIVE when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. Please wager responsibly. More PFT Live right after this. The L.A. Chargers have interviewed Jim Harbaugh to be the next head coach of the team. This is a job he wanted last year, but it wasn't open. They didn't fire Brandon Staley. Now they have. Giff Smith is not going to be the next head coach. Jim Harbaugh could be. This just feels like it needs to happen. Unless the Raiders decide to get involved and create a a tug of war between a couple of AFC West rivals, it just feels like Jim Harbaugh. It it does. It's it's like... uh... I think they need him. I think it would work. I think it's a good spot for him to jump in and take over and a team could use his a team that could use his toughness and detail and and kind of getting everything on the same page. I will say though, I'm also shocked it's just like hey, it's hey, won a national championship from a school in my alma mater and alma mater and it just seems like hey, I'm out of here. See you later. Like there's not even like a, a thought about it. It just feels like it's going that way. Yeah, it really does. And you know how it goes. It takes a while, and then all of a sudden, they start to fall. Gerard Mayo, yes, but there's seven more, maybe more than that. Who knows what's going to happen? We're on top of it every day at ProFootballTalk.com. We'll see you back here again tomorrow. Have a great day. See ya. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.